Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense, like one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen. But they did what was evil in my eyes, and chose that in which I did not delight. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my name's sake have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but it is they who will be put to shame. The sound of an uproar in the city, the sound, a sound from the temple, the sound of the Lord rendering, rendering recompense to his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I, who cause to bring forth, shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and you shall be carried on her hip and bounced upon her knees As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass. And the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh, and those slain by the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves go into the gardens, following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh and the abomination and mice, shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. And they shall come and see, shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them. 
and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots, and in litters, and on mules, and on dromedaries, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Amen. Thank you, Amy. My name is John Adams, one of the pastors here, and let's, let's pray together. Shall we? Father, we uh, come to praise you. You alone, or would you receive glory today? God, your name is different from every other name. You are God, the self-existent one. You are the Lord. You are holy, worthy, good, loving, just, righteous, merciful. Lord, you are God. And we are not, and we come together to acknowledge our need for you, Lord, this day. We need you in this church. We need you in our lives. We need you to come do a work in our hearts today, and we invite you to do so. Father, be glorified today, and please help in the nations, especially in the nation of Israel today, in the fighting God, we ask for peace, but we also ask for your help for the families who have faced destruction and death. Lord, be near them, we pray. Lord, we pray that you would work even awakening of hearts to know that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. Lord, be known among Israel as God. Be known in this place and in this area as the Lord God. Lord, bless um, our sister church, Grace Chapel, and their pastor, Rob Shaver. In Jesus' name, speak through him as he preaches in your word that the power of God would change hearts. Strengthen him and that church family. And Lord, today in this church family, there are many needs Especially, we have the greatest need to know you, to know you more, to know that you are real, that to the God we are praying to, you are the living Lord. And as we sang earlier, only you can satisfy the thirst that we have. You are the living waters. We praise you and we thank you and we pray for you to work in power this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. 
Hey, it's great to have you here. And as uh, my family got back a couple weeks ago from the beach with our, our uh, family, we had such a great time and, and enjoyed it. Uh, and as we, uh, as we came back, or we were at the beach, we came to uh, the water, and it was just interesting because we, we have two daughters, two son-in-laws. They're good guys, pretty good guys. And, and then uh, six grandchildren. And uh, they, they, they range from age six down to babies. So we got our little hands full, and we got to stay vigilant around the waters, especially when uh, little T Thomas which is Jason and Melissa's youngest, he's 18 months old. And when he first saw the waters, you know, he, was, he got, came down, the, we helped him down to the sand, he saw the waters, he sprinted through the sand. You know how little kids, you know, how funny it looks running through the sand, but he, he, went, he went sprinting to the waters and we were trying to catch him up to him and he dove into the water, literally, and he went head first and we went in, we go like, we snatched him out to rescue him, and he's laughing his head off. Let's do that again. He can't talk, but he, but he, uh, but he had so much fun. You know, he thought, I thought he was going to go body surf or something. And uh, 18 months old and uh, delighted. I mean, they're beautiful waters. They're fun, but he didn't realize how dangerous they were for them. So, so a lot of us, in fact, all of us are like Thomas. We go to waters that we don't realize. They, they're attractive. They, they, they're beautiful. But we plunge into these waters and we don't realize that they may lead to our destruction. And so today as we conclude our series out of the book of Isaiah, we're on Isaiah chapter 66 by the way, Bible scholars, how many, how many books in the Bible are there, Old and New Testament combined? 66. And so Isaiah is sort of almost like a picture of the whole word in this way. And today we're going to see again as we come to chapter 66 that there is both a message of hope and a message of judgment. And they're all there. And you're like trying to sort all this out. And as we come to God's word, we want, to, we want to make sure as we conclude that we are not pursuing a man-centered kind of lifestyle, or we call it a perspective, where our thoughts and our beliefs and our actions are just led by sort of the environment that we're in, the, sort of the world, flesh, and devil but that we want to, as a church family, grow in becoming increasingly God-centered, which means putting, using the Word of God and seeing everything through the lenses of God's Word and the, and the, the God of the Word, our, our God. And so we're going to be diving into that today as we look at this. And we're going to see from this passage this, that that we, we all do this, we all want to run to dangerous waters, but we need to run to the living water. We need to run to Jesus and him alone. And so first, oh, we're going to see this contrast again, a message of hope, which is God rescues those who know their need for him. Chapter 66 begins, 
Thus says the Lord, and you see it throughout this chapter, because Isaiah, in the end of the book, wants to convince you this is not just him speaking, this is God himself. And the word for God here in chapter 66 is used 18 times. It is the, the, the name for God that the Israelites would not even speak because it was so holy. It is the name Yahweh. And in fact, they changed the vowels of that, that word Yahweh and created the, the name Jehovah so they could even say the name of God. See, God is, is holy. The, the name Yahweh literally means the one who attributes uh, complete independence from everyone. It means he is the self-existent one, which means he is the uncreated creator. He is dependent on none of you. He speaks to no one. He can... He, he is the Lord. He is God. And in light of this God, we are very different from him. Holy means to be distinct or different. And God is great and mighty. He's marvelous in all his ways. There's a word called he's transcendent, which means the heavens cannot even contain the the magnificence and greatness of God. Do you know how great your God is? Do you marvel at the Lord that he and himself cares about you and me? And that he offers to us not just death waters, but living waters. He offers his grace when we deserve judgment. And this should Thrill your heart. And this holy God, Yahweh, the self-existent one, goes on saying, the earth is my footstool. Now, now the earth is, is, is pretty large, right? But compared to God, it's just a footstool. Think about it. We put so much value in the earth and the things, the created things around. We think about the things around us, including ourselves as being like, that's what I want to meditate on or think about. And we are enamored by all these created things. But God here in Isaiah 66 wants you to be enamored with him. All created things are just like a footstool to him. They're all under his rule and they're tiny compared to his great glory and his splendor. He goes on uh, talking in the second half of verse 1 is about the house of the Lord, which was the temple uh, built by King Solomon in Jerusalem. And this temple was known throughout the ancient world to be unrivaled in beauty. It was magnificent in size, yes, but it was unrivaled in beauty and splendor. It was adorned with gold throughout and silver and precious stones. <clears throat> Remember, Solomon prepared the temple for God's, the God who he's describing here as the one who the heavens can't contain, he's going to live in a little corner of the temple called the, the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the earthly presence of the Lord resided. And here, here the Lord says, look, 
I'm pleased to dwell in this temple, but remember this, the heavens and the earth, they can't contain me. (laughs) I am the creator of all. I am the self-existent one. Don't be impressed, church, today by your greatness or the greatness of other created things. The Lord is saying to us, I'm speaking to you. Listen up. Thus saith the Lord. Be impressed by me. Think about me. See, because what are we impressed by in our lives? Some of us are impressed by our kids or their accomplishments or their sports or their, they're so smart. You know, if you have a grandkid, they're always the smartest kid in the planet, right? And then, or some of you are impressed by your friend group. You know, well, we're just the, the coolest, baddest group. Or, or you're, you're impressed by the significant clientele that you have attracted to your business. Or, you know, even more lesser things. You know, your home or your car or your clothes your beauty, your bra, you know, your muscles. I mean, what are you, uh, what are you impressed by in your life? Are you impressed by the Lord God, the self-existent one, Yahweh? Thus saith the Lord. He alone has the power and glory that we need to be attracted to. And God, see, he says here in this passage, he rescues those who acknowledge their need for him. Verse 2, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my, his word. Verse 5, hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. You see, it's the humble and the contrite who will flourish in life. It's those that will be satisfied. Uh, Here at the Vine, our vision statement is that you would flourish in God's grace. So what does that mean practically? Well, right here, he gives us three phrases that guarantees if you are about this, or you're about this, you're going to flourish in God's grace. What are they? Three of them. Be humble, contrite in spirit, tremble at God's word. What what does that mean? First of all, humble literally means being poor and needy. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, what did he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He wasn't talking about your amount of your possessions you have. He talked about how powerless you know you really are. Do you know you're destitute? You're a beggar who needs just a loaf of bread. You are not the stuff. God, God is the one to be impressed with. So in light of God, we are to, as James says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then... uh, Contrite is literally means to be lame or disabled, but he's not talking about physical maladies. He's talking about a spiritual heart of saying, 
God, I can't even get up. I can't even walk without your strength. Strengthen me today to walk or live. This is the metaphor for living in your truth and your good news. I'm just, I'm contrite in spirit, realizing I can't do this on my own. And then he says in verse number five, tremble at his word. So what's the opposite of trembling at his word? It's, it's something like being apathetic or it's making light of God's word. The question is, is and again, this is not a, in, a, in a shame statement way. Do you tremble at God's word? Do you, do you, are you learning to love God's word? Do you read God's word? Look, here's, the, here's what he's saying. Notice this. If you are not willing to do that, it's really possible you are not humble and contrite. In fact, you won't flourish. He's not saying this to shame you. He's telling you this to give you living water. You have life. Living water right here. Living and active is the word of God. James 1, 22 and 24 talks about sort of a New Testament version of what it means to tremble at his word. Be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. You see, the, we and the people of Israel have heard the word of God over and over again, right? But yet, we, like the people of Israel, some of us have failed to align our lives in our thoughts, beliefs, and actions to the word of God. What is that going to do? It's, it's leading in a bad path. It's, it's the wide path. It's not the right path. And it doesn't lead to the living water. It leads to the death waters. Right? God gives us clearly how we, could, how we can truly flourish. He goes on in verses 7 through 14. Here he's talking about the promises of deliverance to his people, both to Israel from 70 years of captivity in Babylon, but also we today, deliverance from sin, Satan, and death. Not just physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. And he says in verse 12, we will enjoy peace like a river. Remember that old song you used to sing when you were a kid? I got peace like a river. How do you get that? Humble yourselves in God's sight. Tremble at his word. Be contrite before the Lord. And then verse 13, he goes on to say, and God will care for his people and those who believe in him. And the imagery is like a nursing mom who loves and comforts her children. You know, moms like that, they're like mama bears. They're going to care for that child with their very life. God will care for you. Even if 
Psalm 27 says, even if your father and mother forsake you, I will not, says the Lord. And then verse 14, our hearts will be filled with joy and our lives will flourish because of his grace. And he goes on to verse 18 through 21. There's a marvelous picture of God gathering to himself every people group in a universal caravan into his presence. The nations are going to hear about God's glory. Every person, regardless of tribe, tongue, or background, will enjoy to be a part of his church, his family, and then of him and know him at the center of their reality. Uh, this past week, our pastors and elders were at a, uh, what's called Presbytery. It's a quarterly meeting of our denomination. It was, one, it was like one of the best ever, and here's why. Um, our, we have a, we're mostly a group of, in the North Georgia region. There is some diversity, but it's growing, but it may grow more. But we were joined together uh, by the Korean uh, Southeast Presbytery. It was so beautiful with a, a Korean pastor preached and uh, there was a Korean worship team and they led us into the presence of God and we sang these amazing hymns, but we did this. This was unique. It was beautiful. So, you know, all the, most of us were singing or many of us from our presbytery were singing in English. Their presbytery is a Korean speaking presbytery. They were singing at the same time the words of the song in Korean and it felt like a taste of heaven. Do we realize what that will look like in that day when we're face to face to the Lord with every tongue tribe and gathered together in this universal caravan for his fame and for his glory and for our satisfaction and joy. Mark preached last week about the new heavens and the new earth. And in verses 22 and 23, it shows us that all flesh, humans who are impressed by God and his word, will join in eternal worship in the new heavens and the earth. Are we, are we admitting our need? And God rescues all who admit their need for him. That's a message of hope, and many of us share in that. Are you living in that hope, Christian? If you have that hope, are you trusting in him? Are you impressed by God and not just all these other things you're worrying about, you're thinking about, you're trying to get satisfied by? But secondly, there is a message of judgment. It's, it's here. It's right next to this message of hope because we need to be reminded of what we've been saved from. You see, uh, <clears throat> the bad news is, is that those who turn to themselves will plunge themselves into the waters of destruction and they will be destroyed. Relying on their accomplishments, their works, created things and not the creator they will face, we will face. If we do, we'll face ruin. In other words, the scripture describes them as the proud. And we'll see here that there is a message of judgment for the 
proud or captivated by other things and will be pulled to destruction. Waters of destruction. Why, Why is this? Because the proud rely on themselves, their own works. They don't feel like they need God. They feel fail to admit their need for a savior. Their chief pursuit is other things, not God himself. They don't go to corporate worship. They don't care about the word. They don't care about knowing the living God. They're seeking their satisfaction in the things created by this living God. I don't know if, uh, has anyone uh, read to your kids or to your grandkids, Three Billy Goats Gruff? Have you read the book? Anyone raise your hand? Okay, we got a few. You got to get that book. It's pretty good. It's a little terrifying because these three billy goats, they go over this bridge, and underneath that bridge is this nastiest looking little troll. Not, he's not little at all, he's massive actually. He's this big old nasty troll. And he's just waiting to gobble up these little three billy goats gruff. And it's like the story of how that goes. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you get the book. <laughs> okay. But often we think of God like he's that mean troll under the bridge. And if, I just, if I'm just not good enough, if I don't please him well enough, he's going to grab me and gobble me up. That's sometimes a false view of how we view our God. Our God, C.S. Lewis says about Aslan, he's not safe, but he's good. And we know he's just. He will condemn the unrighteous who fail to admit that he is Lord. Some of you know uh, John 3.16. It starts with something like, For God so loved the world. You know that? John 3.17, though, is sometimes forgotten verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Father God sent his perfect son to be condemned for us, to take the very wrath of God. He is a God, yes, of wrath, but he is not a, like a, that, that mean troll underneath the bridge. His goal, his desire, his godly, his desire as God is to save all those who will repent and believe and trust in him. And he rescues us from our sins, and his word keeps us safe from destruction. Well, in verses 3 and sit through 6, it, it says that God will repay those who sacrifice without repentance. And here's the deal. For Israel in that day and for us today, it's easy to give a head nod to God by doing good things for all the wrong reasons. We can go to church. We can try to be a good person we can even give financially in our life generously. We might be thought to be the greatest of people. We might be very friendly. And we can still be under judgment. Because 
we fail to acknowledge our need for a savior. We're not humble and contrite. We're not trembling at God's word. You see, the people of Israel were doing the same things. In Isaiah's team, they were bringing oxen, lambs, and sacrifices to the temple. That was the right action, but it was done dutifully and not with a heart of worship. It was like what we do sometimes. It's our God checkoff list. Check, check, check. I've done all these things, and so I deserve. Oh, wait. <laughs> don't you know the scripture? You don't earn or deserve anything. You're powerless. You're destitute apart from God. You need to admit your need for a Savior. You see, they, can, they and we can condemn ourselves and fail to be captivated with the glory and greatness of God. When was the last time you were captivated by God and His promises? Let me, let me say that again. When was the last time you were captivated by God, His glory, and His greatness? Verses 15 through 17, we see that those who fail to rely on God's work will ultimately receive eternal judgment. There's a lot of fire imagery in here because they relied on themselves, not on God. They chose to do this. As C.S. Lewis in Great Divorce says that in heaven, those who are, are in heaven, or hell rather, those who are unbelievers in hell forever, they still are stubborn. They still will not acknowledge their need for God. They remain in their independence and their lack of humility even in hell itself. Isaiah 66, 24, it concludes rather abruptly and interesting as kind of, again, a message of hope, and it ends with this message of judgment. Notice, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be in an abhorrence to all flesh. You see here, uh, the worm shall not die, the fire shall not be quenched. In the New Testament, we know that is a literal place called hell. People who harden their hearts and do not acknowledge their need for God will sadly enough be destined to hell. Does that... Does that strike us? Is something we should even remember? Does Isaiah finishes his book with this very message. And I think for we who believe who have been rescued is not to just say, oh, ha, ha, you're, you're destined to hell. No, we see the gravity of this thing and that people's lives are at stake. And, but for the grace of God, we would go to hell. Do we realize what we've been rescued from, Christian? Do you realize and acknowledge, are you sobered by what Jesus has done for you? Maybe you're hearing this message today and you've never yielded your heart to Jesus. You're, 
spiritually speaking, you're like my grandson, 18-month-old Thomas, running to waters of destruction. You're running hard, but you're not running to God. You've failed to see your problem. The attraction of relying on your own works are pulling you into destruction. Will you acknowledge your need? Pause and say, God, no, I've been running the wrong way my life. And I pause and say, I need a savior. I don't understand all about this Christianity stuff. I don't know about all faith. I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I know I need a savior today. I would plead with you, receive Jesus as your God and Lord. Humble yourself and be contrite and tremble at his word and say, God, I'm powerless except for you. And if you do know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, don't just go get busy with all the other created things or get enamored by the stuff, the world around you. Be enamored with God. Be mesmerized by his grace. I want to ask you to silently meditate as we prep for communion. A few moments in silent confession of your sin. Using this question, what is your heart captivated by other than the Lord? Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.